Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is a slightly different episode. You may have seen that I recently featured on the Inspire FM radio channel to speak to my wonderful colleague and friend Dr. Amna Hawash who is a GP based in Luton and my wonderful colleague Dr. Walid Manan also joined us on the show to talk about the importance of dental health and how to access dental care in Luton. Um, We talk about some simple and effective ways to look after your um, dental health and how this can affect your overall well-being. There will be two episodes on this today and also next week so I really really hope you enjoy this episode and now without further ado let's get into it. So I've got two guests with me today. I have um, Dr. Shadi, who is a dentist working in central London, and we actually trained together um, at Barts in London um, at medical and dental school. Um, So she'll tell you a little bit about herself in a a few minutes. And we have a local hero, um, Dr. Walid Manan, who um, leads up the Revolution Running Group, who many of you might know. Uh, You can't see because this will come out on the radio, but he is um, hiding hiding away, shying away. Um, (laughs) But he will tell you a little bit about um, his role, both in the community. So he grew up here in New um and is an NHS dentist so welcome to you both thank you so much hello. thank you for having me right, so, um, to everyone. Hello. so um Shadi you said hello first so why don't you tell us a little bit about you so as you kindly said we trained together at Barts in the London School of Medicine and Dentistry I qualified about seven years ago now and spent some time working in hospitals in London um, doing areas of pediatric restorative dentistry head and neck surgery and then after that I went into um, practice primary care uh, where I'm doing general dentistry with a special interest in cosmetic um, dentistry and that's what I'm doing my sort of postgraduate um, training on um, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I do a lot of work on social media to kind of improve the public's perception of the profession, because as you rightly said, uh, we don't have the best reputation. People don't like us very much and they have bad memories of going to the dentist um, and they're scared of the dentist usually, which isn't very good for their oral health and as we know oral health is very closely connected to general health so a lot of the work that I do is to try and improve the public perception and try and get more people to come and see us essentially. Excellent well we definitely will be talking a lot about all of those things and definitely about why people are scared of the dentist because that that's kind of an underlying fear of mine as it is of many people I think <laughs> uh, but Dr Walid why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Well I started um many years ago I think I qualified in 98 uh, from guys I think it was the last year before guys merged with kings um I started off in community at Milton Kings um I also did my uh professional training at uh, Milton Kings Max Facts as well um that was a in a two-year course before I did my um fellowship and I think I stayed there for about five years before I opened my own practice up so really, I've never worked in general practice other than under my own rules. Okay. The, the, the point of that is it's allowed me to work how I think general practice should be. And of course, with time, um, you sort of fall into a pattern, you fall into this. It's almost like calling it corruption because you have to find a way to work within the NHS regulations 
mm. um, and to, of course, make the business work and how you deal with patients and, um, you know, the current issues of the time. Um, so in that sense, you could say I have a, a lived-in experience I could share. Um, okay. The difference between my colleague is that where she's starting off in her career, or well-started, should I say, with a very impressive CV so far, I am thinking about closing things down. So maybe another five years or so before my back mm-hmm. will pack in. And I think I'll move on from the industry. But it's, for it's, getting... it's a lot of standing, isn't it? It's actually very kind oh, of... Bending over. You bend yeah, over. Bending you know, from a, from a pivot point, when you bend over and you hold that posture, mm. that uh, weight uh, keeps getting progressively heavier and heavier. So, mm-hmm. of course, we have... We mitigate that with uh, how we um, sit and then using saddle chairs and how we ah. maintain discipline. But you can only do these things so much. And I think some people are more flexible. Part of the training, kind of how to stand, how to sit, and kind of you know, do when you're young, you literally think you're Superman or super mm. person. Things go in one year, come out the other, and you think it's not going to happen to me. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter. These are all fuddy-duddy stuff. And you sort of, back pain is one of those things you don't realise until it's too late. Once uh-huh. the pain is set in, it's the first time you realise, then of course it's very hard to uh, get away from, it, especially in our profession, because you just can't avoid doing the things that cause the problem in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never actually thought about that. I think um, I had a student sat in with me um, yesterday, actually, at my um, GP practice that's thinking about doing medicine. And he kind of said, oh, well, this is a completely different perception to how I've gone to my GP normally, because you kind of mm-hmm. go in, the most important person that you're thinking about is you. And you're not actually thinking about, you know, the doctor in the room. And he was like, but you've been working like so much and, you know, so hard. And there's so much going on behind the scenes that people don't see. They just see them and actually you're right I've never really considered you know the poor dentist when I've got in and you know them kind of sat bent over my mouth I'm just kind of lying down or comfortable (laughs) sometimes a little bit annoyed that I'm like so far so far back wow interesting yeah do you know this is something I've noticed since I've been going through this COVID situation like with a mask and trying to do because it's a very physically demanding job and I'm there suffering but at the same time you have to be treating the patient but you're not well yourself and this is one of the things that I find challenging about the job in that you're a human being as well you have needs and like with you guys I don't know how you do five minute appointments and like you don't eat you don't drink and it's like you yourself have to look after yourself to be well. So it's, it's a physically demanding I mean, just job. disclaimer, we do do 10-minute appointments. Uh, <laughs> but it's generally 10-minute appointments. Um, but yeah, oh, wow, yes. I, I think actually, you know, I've learned something already, actually. just I'm just thinking of my poor dentist um, when I've gone to see him, I think, last week. Um, and yeah, I just kind of assume, oh, well, he's sitting and it's not kind of much strain but it is it is actually a physically demanding hmm. demanding job wow okay um well we've learned something already be kind to your dentist guys but um I think the main question I wanted to start with was why are people scared of you you know you guys seem like nice people um but actually I think before that can we talk about because you guys have said um that you you know you both do very different things um and I'm not quite clear on how dentistry is kind of broken up. So it's very obvious in kind of 
medicine or the NHS in terms of seeing a doctor because you see your GP and then you have hospital doctors and then sometimes you have community clinics in between but what's the difference between kind of general practice and NHS and you know what are the different types of dentists? So there's the same it's NHS and private dentistry and I'm sure we have different perspectives on this um so Primary care is in, in clinic where you go and see your dentist for a general checkup. If you need specialist treatment, you can be referred to hospital or um, specialist practices privately. Um, within the NHS, I'm sure why did we talk about this more, but within the NHS, there's certain bands of different treatments. So if you have a checkup, it's a band one. If you have a filling or an extraction, it's a band two. Or if you have more complex like, like dentures or crowns, it's a band three. Whereas with private dentistry, it's it's different and it's a fee per item uh, kind of treatment. Um the standard of dentistry is, is supposedly not different, but of course you do have certain um, things that you have to be mindful of within the NHS and allocations that you have uh, for clinics and things. So it's, it's slightly different within private and NHS dentistry. Okay, but it, it's it's kind of the same building and you can kind of do both in one, is that right? It can be depending on the clinic. So you can have a purely private clinic um, or you can have a mixed clinic um, with NHS and private dentistry. So say if you were to have a white fitting that might not be covered on the NHS, the NHS will say we will do the treatment that's necessary for the health of your teeth. So if you need a filling, you can have a silver filling on the back teeth, for example. Mm -hmm. But if you want a white fitting that's aesthetic, then you have to pay privately for it. And then it's a different cost for that. Yes. Yes, I did. I did find that out with my multiple <laughs> Let's not talk about that. So going back to our main question, why is everyone scared of the dentist? One reason why have people actually told you that they're scared of you? Do you get I don't that? think you can say one reason. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, this is a huge topic in itself, but yeah. the three main things that I find people are scared of, uh, and it applies to general life, really, is the first is that it's fear of the unknown. Okay? Yeah. Most people don't know what's going on. It's so personal, mm-hmm. so close, inside your mouth. You can't get closer and more intimate than that. Yeah. Um, so they don't really know what's going to uh, happen on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the second bit is um, they don't have any control. Sometimes patients think that this is a roller coaster. Once they're in, Mm. The heart is getting in. It's like, what's going to happen? Oh my goodness! It's out of my control. Yeah. Am I going to live? Like, am I to live? <laughs> I hope so. Um, and then the third point, which you can sympathise, is pain. Okay. Mm. Um, inevitably, at some point, in my opinion, yeah, doesn't matter who the dentist is, you will have an un- unpleasant experience. Yeah. Um, and the fear of pain, although we mitigate it with local anaesthesia. There's ways we can do it. For example, uh, unknown. You take your time, you explain, you tell, show, do, diagram if you need to. You refer them to um, material that they can read. Mm. Um, fear of uh, the control. We use the left hand up as the control. So anytime they raise this hand, if something hurts, they want to stop, they want to yeah. break, they want to swallow, uh, mm. whatever. They know that they are the boss in that room, not the dentist. I think that makes it scarier though like I feel like because my dentist does this and he says you know put your hand up or let me know you know if you need if you need to stop and then I'm like oh my god that means it's gonna hurt so I'm like kind of bracing myself waiting for it to hurt so that I put my hand up we always tell the truth okay Mm. so we don't know personally I never say nothing's going to hurt I don't say it's going to hurt but I always tell them you are in control so don't worry it's not going to hurt but if you need me to stop you Mm. can 
Okay, you can. Uh, uh, as for pain, obviously, you got anesthesia, you can use topicals um, and just take your time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just when you have to work within time limits, it can feel rushed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but if you just change the bedside mannerism a bit, you can still do the same job in the same time, but it doesn't feel as rushed. Right. And of course, you know, going back to some of these subjects are going to merge. The NHS private approach. NHS is an arbitrary uh, system with UDAs, which is like a measure of how much work the commissioners mm-hmm. get off the pro- providers who are the dentists with the contract. Um, you're under pressure to perform. Mm-hmm. Private dentistry, although the fees are higher, is more truly reflective of the job that's being done at hand. Yeah. So the pressures can be slightly different. Um, yeah, but going yeah. back to fear, those three are the main things that I find. So I know that throughout my working career, every patient, I will start with explaining how I'm going to overcome these and how mm. the patient is always at the you know, front of my concerns and they're at yeah. the front of any control. And it works for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know I, I agree sure. with that. I agree with that 100%. And I think on top of that, as well as what you said, I think we just get really bad rep. Like if you look at movies, <laughs> any TV yeah. shows, the dentist is always, always the scary person that's doing something mm-hmm. scary to put you in pain. But actually, the stuff we're doing is to get you out of pain in the majority of times. Yeah. So I think bad reputation is is a big one and also previous bad experience a lot of patients that come and see me the first thing they say is no offense but I hate the dentist and you know that doesn't <laughs> make you feel face. so good <laughs> yeah, to your can face. I keep coming to say that really yeah yeah a lot Aww. of people say that and it's like already you're starting from a negative point yeah. and you have to work so hard to bring them up to neutral let alone positive and that usually will take a lot of time for them to trust you and um you know that Again, I'm sure while it has a different experience because you've probably seen your dentist, your patients for a long time. But for me, for example, when I see my patients for checkups again and again, after, say, a year or two, already they're more trusting of you. They're more relaxed and they they're just Mm -hmm. in a different mindset. Whereas when they come and see you first time, they don't know you. They don't know what you're like. They think you're going to hurt them. Um, So it takes a while for them to get used to you. And eventually the experience I've had is they'll come around and they'll understand that actually it's, Mm -hmm. it's okay. And the approach has changed a lot, I think nowadays when it comes to dentistry and treating patients to, to before, whereas before it was very much like paternal telling the patients what they need. Whereas now it's like we have a conversation and, and, you know, the patient's in control, they decide what happens to them. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That uh, Shadi was saying about, I hate dentists, it's probably the most mm-hmm. commonest phrase we hear. Oh, that's um, so, so sad. It's, but yeah. I, so going back to the approach and how it used to be sort of paternal, aloof before, whereas now we're much more friendly because we're trying to show them that we're human, just like them as well, just doing a job that's difficult and somebody has to do it. So I, I use this approach, which I, uh, I call... Um, Informally formal. So, uh, Amna, you've seen me. Informally formal. Uh So it's trying to be professional, but Mm -hmm. stretched as far as I can take it. So if any patient that says to me, oh, I hate the dentist, and I'll say, you know, I understand. I don't actually like patients much either. But (laughs) (laughs) and it just breaks the ice straight away. And then, of course, you can start on, well, why don't you like, Mm. tell me about things. And sometimes just listening, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes just listening without necessarily offering a solution is enough. 
for the patient to feel trust. Like Shadi said, it's all about trust. Yeah. I have been seeing generations of patients. You know, I've seen mm-hmm. patients who have had children who have had children. Sometimes I've had four generations of the same family. Wow. So for me, what what happens is, so I, I work on the premise that I'm always going to be one personality. Yeah. Same with my friends, my family, my patients, my staff. Doesn't always work. But what happens is the patients will filter themselves out. So that uh-huh. those who like you mm-hmm. will stay. Those who don't like you or don't like your version of you, they will move on. Mm. And after 20 years, you'll find you've got, I don't know, 12, 13,000 worth of patients that actually work with you. And then yeah. both sides suit each other, you carry on. Yeah, I, I think that's... It's kind of the same with not just kind of medicine. It's, it's most things, you know, you have to kind of get along with your accountant. You know, you have to trust that actually they're doing the best thing for you. And it might hurt that, you know, they're giving you a big tax bill, for example, but actually they're doing they're doing the right thing. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right. I'm kind of thinking back to my dentist and actually um, even even though he's kind of moved out of Luton, I still kind of travel I mean, I only travel to 20 minutes down the road to Flitwick, but I, I still kind of go all that way because I've built that relationship with him because he took that time to kind of explain things. And even though I, I know it is usually going to hurt for me, it's it's the pain. It's I think what you said you know, about that kind of lack of control because you can't see it. I think if it was, you know, someone doing something to my hand and you can see that actually, you know, it's not going to be that bad or you can see it getting better. But because it's in like, such a tight space um it's usually like you say it's already painful um and mm. then you you know you're doing something painful because like oh, uh, you know I don't look after my tooth very well so I always need an injection to get have a feeling um then I kind of know okay I just have to get through this and then it will get better and you know he's doing it mm. for the right reason so what advice would you guys give to people like me or probably people to avoid them being like me and avoid them needing quite so many feelings like how often do you need to see your dentist now that we've established that you guys are nice people you get very sad when people say that they hate you um and you know people listening to this please next time when you go to your dentist maybe just you know say hello <laughs> you know think about the fact that they've been sat bent over all day for dentists um and maybe start off with a nice thing instead but how often would people need to see you so it very much depends we have guidelines on how often we need to see people usually we say six months for the majority of people but it depends I mean if you're high risk so someone not like you but someone who has a lot of fittings mm. and they have a lot of uh, sweets like I do for example if they've had decay in the past if they have if they've had lots of decay in the past or if they have a congenital abnormality which makes their teeth weaker um, mm. then we would say every three months um, so three months is usually the, the shortest sort of interval that we would see you. Um, majority of people, it's usually six months. If you're really, really good and you don't need anything, maybe even a year, uh, but six months for the majority of people. But your dentist will tell you when you see them based on everything that they've seen. They will tell you when they want to see you again. Wow, that's that's really like that's very like frequent. That's like a good couple of times yeah, a year. Maybe. It's because so if you have lots of decay, then it's it's about catching it early so you don't need extensive treatment when you see them so early in its early stage decay in its early stages is reversible 
Um, so if we see you every three months, we catch something, then we'll try and intervene to try and um, stop the progression of that decay. Whereas if we leave it a year or two before we see you, that could have already progressed to even the nerve. So the sooner you see your dentist, if you do have issues, the less complicated the treatment and more conservative it will be. Okay, so- I think um, just, just to add to that, um, yeah. unlike medical issues, dental problems don't usually have any symptoms. So by the time you have a toothache, it's very, very well progressed. Then you're looking at treatment that's harder, uh, mm. less uh, reduced prognosis, possibly more expensive. And of course, um, you're going to struggle to find somebody if you're not with somebody. Mm. Um, just in terms of why we need the regular checkups is to pick up those early decay, early holes. Um, easy to manage, easy to fill. And of course, it keeps the pressure on the patients. You know, mm -hmm. how often are you brushing or flossing or how's your diet? How often do you have sweets, chocolate, biscuits, cakes? It's like a little steerage every time adjusting the course of the ship. It's a little reminder to kind of mm. eat more vegetables. flossing. Less Haribo's. <laughs> less Haribo's yes. on social media, Shadi, <laughs> pointing at you. But okay, so um, what kind of things you mentioned flossing and brushing well, in 30 seconds, if you had to kind of give advice as to how to maintain your dental health, what would you advise? And, you know, for just the, you know, Joe blogs on the street. Brush twice a day with a fluoride toothpaste, electric toothbrush, floss every day. And if you're gonna have sweets, this is the whole concept of my social media. If you're gonna have sweets, have them, but reduce the frequency, not necessarily amount. Um, I think it's unrealistic to tell patients not to do a certain thing, but you can tell them how to do it. Um, so fluoride toothpaste, electric toothbrush twice a day for two minutes, clean your tongue, floss, and reduce oh. the frequency of sweetenings. So when you say fluoride toothpaste, is there any toothpaste at the moment that is not fluoride? Of course, there's lots. Oh, really? There's a lot of, yeah, currently there's this whole big health fad of, you know, charcoal toothpaste, fluoride. Oh, a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people have, I wouldn't say a lot, but some people are, are of the opinion that fluoride is toxic and you shouldn't have it and it damages your brain and all of this kind of stuff that it is untrue. Um, but nonetheless, it is circulating on social media. And so a lot of people are saying if you use a charcoal toothpaste, if you use this herbal toothpaste, then it's more healthy for you because it doesn't have toxic fluoride. Fluoride is actually very, very good for your teeth and it's very effective. So if you're not having fluoride in your toothpaste, then you're going to get tooth decay and you're going to need lots of fillings, essentially. Okay. I think fluoride is the single biggest discovery that closes the class gap when it comes to the experience of dental problems. If you imagine okay. the class of food that the different classes have. Um, but yes, the single biggest advice would be to use a fluoride toothpaste. Okay. And uh, what about flossing and everything else? So always your so, advice, fluoride toothpaste, two minutes, twice a day. So personally, mm. um, uh, just adding on to what Shadia said, is brushing twice a day, Yeah. nighttime being the most single, most important time yeah. to brush. Not mm. the morning, although it's nice to freshen up. Mm. Flossing before you brush. The reason I say that is, if you imagine you're taking, some people think flossing is taking bits of food out between your teeth. No, that's not it. Mm. Of course you want to take that out. But it's mm. taking the biofilm from the tooth surface between the teeth out that you would normally brush off on the easy surface that you can reach with the brush. And to say when you don't floss, it's a bit like not brushing 
because the the brushing when you touch it with your tongue you know how clean it feels well mm. imagine the teeth between the the between the interproximal mm. surfaces that you're not cleaning okay now imagine the reverse you're yeah, brushing yeah. between the teeth but you're no yeah. longer brushing the tongue and cheek side yeah amna how would you feel if you don't brush your teeth the tongue and cheek side tonight oh yeah not good and what about tomorrow <laughs> yeah what about if you missed it for the whole week Oh gosh. Okay, I think That's how yeah, I say I think, you, I think you're scaring me. I think we need to go on a break and I need to go and brush my teeth in the break um before all my teeth fall out. Uh so we'll be back after this break to talk to Dr. Walid and Dr. Shadi after this short break. really hope you've enjoyed this episode and don't forget part two will be going live next week so please come back to find out how this episode ends there are some very interesting things that we talk about so please do come back for that you can reach me on instagram at dr shadi manucheri i would love to know what you thought of this episode and if you have any suggestions for future podcast episodes so i really hope you've enjoyed this episode and i will see you next week